Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey everybody, it's Mike Wise. And today, the day after Mother's Day, our Mother's Day special show with Lucille O'Neill, mother of Shaquille, and Pamela McGee, mother of JaVale. They answer the question, generations apart, how to raise a seven-footer. <laughs> Believe me, it's a lot like raising a four-footer. Lots of care, love, and discipline. And if you don't listen, your mama's going to hear about it. Take it away, Darlene. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Welcome to the Mike Wise Show, a special Mother's Day edition. Welcome to the program, Pamela McGee, mother of JaVale, and a person I got to know in Washington many years ago when her son was drafted by the Wizards. Hello, Pamela. Hey, what's up, Mike? My, my vanilla brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I should, uh, so confession, um, I guess, full disclosure, Pamela and I have talked about doing a podcast together. But what happened was she knows that I would be too crazy, too fly, too out there. And, and it, she worried that it was going to damage her career. And so she decided not <laughs> yeah, to have right, me, right, basically. Right, right, <laughs> um, Now, tell people, for the record, uh, JaVale um, is, your, is your only son. I believe you have a daughter, too, correct? Right. You, you got to give the whole, we're the first WNBA mom to have a son and a daughter drafted in the NBA and the WNBA. JaVale played with the Los Angeles Lakers. Correct. And my daughter, Amani, played for the Atlanta Dream. Right. And do you get to go see many of her games? Yes. Now, when JaVale was with the Warriors, I had to kind of like, they get sibling rivalry. Well, you went to JaVale's playoffs. Well, you didn't come to my playoffs. So I, but, you know, <laughs> since he was with the Lakers, they didn't go to the playoffs. So now I go see all of her games. Her, her season starts at the end of the month. So I'm Are going they, down they, there next week for Mother's Day. Oh, that's excellent. Are you, um, uh, are you, are you, are they both close as siblings? Oh, very close. Matter of fact, they're six years apart. So JaVale has always been like the big brother. And when she used to be outrageous in high school, I would say, okay, I'm gonna call your brother. Please don't call my brother, mama, please. That was the way <laughs> I used to punish her. And then he'll say, okay, now I'm not sending you any shoes, no money, whatever. Don't you ever disrespect my mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he was my co-disciplinarian. Yeah. Um, I, I have a son. Uh, I have three kids now, but I, my my eight year old loves basketball. You know, he thinks he's going to the NBA. I told him with my genes, probably not. But <laughs> but if you, you know were to, jump. Well, yeah, that's what Woody Harrelson says, and he he clearly 
he clearly has not been around Tom Chambers from the Phoenix Suns at all. But but I, I you know I, I guess what I was uh, I I ask a lot of my guests that have children that became either NBA players, WNBA players. Um, did you um, not pressure your kids to go into that direction? But did you? How did you raise them? Did you just sort of back off and say, "All right, I want to see if you you can do it," or did you? Were you actively involved in? I think you have the gift, and I'm going to nurture this as much as I can. Well, it, it's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, um, you know, being a player, you want to be the mom, and then you you see talent. But I just think with my kids, you know, my son is seven one, and my daughter is six seven. So at one point, it was just basically when my son became 6'10", I said, look, I can get free money to go to school. Have you ever seen somebody at McDonald's say, do you want fries with your shake? It's 6'10". <laughs> <laughs> so it, at that point, it just became, look, it's an economic decision. If I can sure. get school for free, you need to start playing basketball. And then it was just more of he wanted to play at the next level. To be honest, I was, you know, the critic, like, I don't think, I don't see the NBA. Just be a good college player. But he wanted to play at the next level. He he had no he had no desire. I mean, you know, when he was younger, I really didn't push it, and he just didn't. I he, he didn't have a desire. He just kind of ran around with me, and you know, he played as a freshman in high school, and I was the boys' assistant varsity coach. Mm. And he was like, you know, my and I, I trained him at AAU till he was about thirteen. Then he said. You know, I don't want you to train me anymore. And I was like, why is that? He said, because you're my mother. And, then, you know, I'm a hard coach. And he would say, if I mess up, you're just supposed to say, well, you're giving it your all. You're doing your best. I was like, no, you know, I'm not that type of mother. <laughs> I said, no, that's not going to work. You don't have that kind of mother. Either we're going to work hard or we're not going to work at all. So he said, okay, then, I don't want you to coach me anymore. I said, now you got to make a decision. Because I always told my son, I'm raising you to be a man. A man always responsible for his decision. Now. If, if I'm not going to train you, you got to make a decision because I'm tra- I am used to train him with his two friends. Yeah. I said, now make a decision. Now I'm going to honor decision because I can never let basketball become between our mother-son relationship. So I said, but I'm going to keep training your friends. He said, okay, I don't want you to coach me. So now it flipped when he got to high school because his friends made varsity and he was on JV. And all of the girls only dated the varsity guys. (laughs) Was this a Detroit Country Day? Yeah, Detroit Country Day. Right. Same school as Chris Weber. Exactly. And uh, uh, Sean Battier. Oh, Shane Battier. That's right. Shane Battier was a Detroit Country Day product. Mm -hmm. And so he's, yeah. Then he comes back. Okay, Ma, I want you to work me out again. Because, all you know, when you get to high school, all the cute girls only want to go to varsity players. (laughs) <laughs> at this point um i guess i remember talking to uh lucille o'neill about uh shaquille once and how she almost had to carry a birth certificate around because her son yeah, was so definitely. large I call, like, I call it big discrimination <laughs> like what well, how big was i mean i i remember you telling me once that he was born something like 11 pounds 11 ounces yeah, 11 pounds, 11 ounces. And my gynecologist, I saw, I went back to Flynn. He said, yeah, you know, he was born with a ball in his hand. I always say he was born to play. He had this thing called, I forget what you call it, but he had six fingers. And the, the sixth finger had, like, some fluid in it, and he had it in his hand. It was shaped like a ball. And they said it's some kind of common genetic thing. I don't know my side. It had to be on his dad's side. But they, oh. they wrapped his finger around. 
around and then it fell off. But so you know, I always say he was born to play because he literally was born with a basketball in his hand. Your role as a mother was, I guess, it was it was pretty much um, set in stone early on. You wanted to have children, correct? Of course, I love that. You know, I tell people out of all my world championships, you know, I'm a I'm a two time high school champion, a two-time national champion. I'm an Olympic gold medalist. I'm a basketball Hall of Famer. But the, the thing that gives me the most joy is my children. I love I love being a mother. Even, you know, financially, whatever, the things I've accomplished in business, the best thing I've ever did in my life was have two children. They are just a blessing. I, I adore, I, I just love being a mom. That, I mean, when I grew up, all I wanted to be was a mother, and I just love my children. I mean, I, I adore, yeah. and I am so, so proud of them that, that not only are they successful in the, their careers and what they do and what they bring to the world, but they are good people. Yeah. You know, it's not enough that our children are successful and they make a lot of money. At the end of the day, we want them to be good people. And my children are ex- extremely philanthropic and they're just good citizens, good people. And people come up to me all the time. I remember when he was getting drafted, his AAU coach said, hey, I just saw the NBA. They they did a background check on JaVale and they just called me. And I said, well, coach, what did you say about JaVale? I told him that, you know, that I, he would be somebody I want my daughter to marry. I said, coach, you didn't have to say that. He said, it's true. You know, so I tell those stories. And that's what I'm so proud of them. They're just still yeah. They're just good people. And so as a mother, no matter what they do on the basketball court, at the end of the day, I want them to be good citizens and good people. Yeah. So I'm extremely proud. I'm extremely well, well, proud, Mom. Well, the coach said that, that he wanted to marry his daughter because he knew he was going to be an NBA millionaire. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> was JaVale's father in his life at JaVale's father in his life at all? Well, I mean, you know, I, I look at it on two sides. I was a single mom, but JaVale would go stay at his dad's at his dad's for summers and I would pay for it. I mean, some some mothers, you know, don't look at it like that. He never paid a dime of child support, which is true yeah. for eighteen years. But for me being a single black female, you know, some some females and obviously I had a different ec- economic uh program. I mean I always had good jobs, but I always feel that African-American men need relationships with their dads, whether they're good or bad. And then they have to make a decision if they want the relationship. I just would never deny my son that opportunity. So literally, I would pay for him to go spend summers with his dad and literally send him money every week for spending money just yeah. so he could have a relationship with his dad. So I thought his... that, that was so imperative. <clears throat> and even though... As a black female, as a mother, I may be as angry because I was doing it all by myself. I think sometimes as African-American mothers or just as a single mom, period, we have to look out for not ourselves and say, I'm going to pull myself out of the equation. I'm going to pull my emotions out of the equation. And we literally have to make a sacrifice to say, you know, black men primarily need a relationship with their dad. And I've, I've had to come to the conclusion just as we were all ordained to have a mother and a father. Now, I feel like as a mother, I'm one of the most androgynous females. You know, I fish, I, you know, I go to the gun range, you know, I play basketball, I play football, I taught my son basketball, but there is still a desire for a man to find someone and uh, find someone to give themselves 
their their male identity. And even though I'm a very androgynous female, I knew as a uh, African American female, I could not give that to my son. Mm. Now, whether I thought his dad was the dad that I wanted him to be, I never talked bad about him. I never, you know, disrespected him in front of my son. I allowed my son to make the decisions about his dad, not me. I never got involved with it. I said, "Well, he's your dad." And if you want a relationship with me, I will make sure you have that relationship. And I took myself out the equation because there is a, a bit of anger because it's hard being a single parent. It's just yeah. hard being the mom and the dad, you know, paying bills, you know, trying to make sure that they get the best education. And so it's hard. And I carry all that load by myself. So he, he was, um, uh, his father was uh, George Montgomery. He was, uh, I believe he was 6'10". He is. He not, he's not dead. I know, I know, I know. His father is George Montgomery. He's he's, he's 6'10". He played basketball at Illinois. And I think he, he was drafted in the second round uh, by the Blazers in the 85 draft, but he never played, right? Right. And and so how did you meet him? Sometimes when gets lazy, I'll be like, yeah, that's, that, that's that Montgomery tree. <laughs> okay, that's a joke. Okay, wait a minute. That's talking bad about the dead. No. Okay, so... So I guess, how did you, if it's not prying too much, how did you meet him? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm a very open person. You know, I was playing overseas in yeah. Europe and, and he, you know, we were in Spain and not too many black people at that time in Spain. And it was kind of what, you know, one of those oops. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so you guys. That's what we call it. Oh, oops. Oops. And, so know, he was. I don't believe. I, I believe in pro-life, and I didn't believe in abortion. And so this was and, a person. You know, and, this wasn't even a person that uh, George wasn't a person that you were really going out with. He was just a person. Yeah, it was just. It was just. It was, oops. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, but I mean, and and. I mean, I've had a lot of oops in my life too, but they just didn't turn out to be kids. <laughs> but the thirty years <laughs> later, that oops became the greatest blessing in my life. So, yeah, that's you know, a, the that's creator a, allows us to get things right, and sometimes the creator cleans up our mess. Yeah. and you know, I'm just, I'm just so honored. And some people, you know, you know that pro-life model, whatever. And yeah. I know I'm pro-choice, but pro-life for me, um, because you know, I it was a real hard decision because at that time we didn't have maternity leave, and I was playing professional basketball. But because of my spiritual convictions. You know, I, you know, brought him to term and just want, and, and, and it turned out to be the most prolific blessing in my life. And I, I consider that time in my mm. life the time when I really sat down and really understood who God was because it was a God thing to help me have him and a God thing for to me to raise him by myself. So, mm. you know, my oops became like one of the most uh, transformative times in my life spiritually. But the best part about that, uh, the whole story to me is you put aside however much uh, George did not want to be a part of his life or didn't want, want to raise him. And you you put that aside and you said, hey, I, I'm going to send him there for the summers. I think he should have a, a relationship. I think that's black, white, you know, Native American, uh, Asian. I think everybody in a, in a perfect world, they they should have relationships with both of their biological parents if if their biological parents are positive impacts in their life and want to be there for them. Well, I don't I don't even know if we're, if we're supposed to not allow if they're not positive. 
because mm, I think our children have to make that decision for themselves. And I think even with not only just single parents from divorced parents, you know, from, you know, baby mama drama and whatever, you know, with divorced parents and you got blended families, you know, at one point we all got to understand that these children are byproducts of adult decisions. You know, they didn't ask to be here, and we, we they become byproducts of adult decisions. And sometimes as the adults in the room, we have to say, look, what's best for these these gifts that, that the creator has given us? We, we look, you know, we look into our own pain and our own hurt and our own anger, and then our children become the victims of it. So I'm I'm just all into, you know, we have to sometimes sacrifice ourselves for our baby. There was a story, and I want you to let me know if this is true or not, that when he went to Cleveland for the draft um, and they were trying him out, um, they were all ready to work him out and everything, and you basically said, no, no, he's not going to work out. And he's in his street clothes with almost like loafers on or something, and you said, and and you put your finger to your, uh, like you were testing the wind or something, and you put your finger on your lip and go, and you put it up and you go, JaVale, give me one of these. And he went under the backboard and allegedly just jumped straight up and touched the top of the backboard in front of the whole Cleveland Cavaliers scouting staff. True story or well, not? Okay, little, you know how it is. That's a little exaggerated. Okay, so, was, so that's good. Already, I want, See, I that was an embellished story. I want to hear the truth. Yeah, it's embellished, but it's close. So okay. the actual story goes like this. So we were, we had already, I had already had two teams at the table. So I, Cleveland said, I said, we're not working out anymore because I got three. I was two teams that already said that they was going to pull the trigger. So right. Cleveland said, well, Miss McGee, can you at least come and talk to us? I said, yes. You know, I want to come talk to you because, you know, you know how the game it was the cat and mouse game at the draft. Right. It's kind of like are you a, are you representing him at that point? Yeah, I was. Okay. Um, so, and the, and the point was, you know how it is, is like, you know, with the draft, it's like having the most beautiful woman in the village. If yes. somebody comes on the porch, you know, the next guy has to bring, if he brought an apple, the next guy got to bring an uh, apple and an oxy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, so, I know that. I know, know that. Right. Yeah, and then and then you also can't like what we call uh, uh saturate the market with the product because let yeah. people know that why is he working out with so many teams? And then once you get teams at the table, you know then it becomes you know even the drafters don't know who's drafting who, and some teams will draft this player to stop you from getting some other player. You know what I'm saying? So we had already had teams. So Cleveland said, "Well, just come down, Mr. Jen. Can we just talk to him?" And so he literally had on some slacks. And he had on at that time them Converse, the Converse, what are they called with the star on the side? I forget what they call it. Them Converse stars, I think that's what you call them. And they Chuck said, Ted, well, no, uh, Chuck Ted, oh, I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Top sevens or? Yeah. What are Charlie West? What were they called? You know, the ones with the little Chuck stars. Taylors? Chuck Taylors, there you go. Old school, Chuck Taylors. So he had on some up Chuck Taylors and some dress slacks and, a, you know, and I always had him in like a polo. So then they said, well, you know, Miss McGee, have you ever, how far can he get up on the blackboard? I said, you know, to be honest with you, I never even tried it. I don't even know. We just uh, never did it. So he literally went up and his hand was on the top of the square. It wasn't the top of the backboard, though. He okay. just took one step in street shoes and put his hand on the top of the square. Just with one step in dress shoes. In those uh, Chuck, Chuck, Taylor. Chuck Taylor. Yeah, that wasn't the top of the backboard, but it was the top yeah. of the square. He had a full hand over the top of the square. 
Pamela McGee, back in the day, uh, I don't know, did, did the USC Trojans of your year get to go to the White House and meet the president? Yeah, we did. It was Ronald Reagan. And what was that like? You know, I mean, it was kind of like it was the same time, which is ironic. It was nice because we got we won the championship. We got to go with the president. But at the same time, I think Ronald Reagan and the, the Republicans were fighting to, to disband Title IX because I was the one that was a Title IX baby. We, that was the first year that we went from AIAW to NC2A. Title IX gave the, you had to pay the same amount of money for women as you paid for men, equal rights for women. So it was a, you know, a traumatic a time where, you know, we've been in the White House, but at the same time, they was trying to dismantle the legislation for Title IX. Did you did you have any thought about uh, talking to the president, President Reagan, about that at the time? Or was it sort of like, well, we're happy to be here in this great historic office? You know, not... I, I mean, you know, I was like 19. So sure. I was always political, but, you know, I wasn't as political as I am now. Well, back, <laughs> or... well back then, too, like Republicans and Democrats, there wasn't while Reagan, you had a, there was a lot of problems with um, his policies among Democrats. There was still a civility. Nowadays, uh, President yeah, Trump, yeah. President Trump, and the others uh, and the left, have, they're just at war. When you but, saw, but when you saw that, ben, yeah, <clears throat> go ahead. But not only that, I just have an issue where people can be just a one-person candidate. Like, well, I vote for Trump because he's pro-life, but yet he has five wives. I mean, right. Eddie like, disrespects women and he calls, whether I liked uh, Amorosa or not, she's a dog. Who says that about a female? When did that become appropriate as the leader of our country? The, the, the trips to the White House have almost become a microcosm of racial polarization in this country. I look at the Red Sox, all the people, all the players of color, uh, including former manager Alex Cora, uh, because of his problems with how the administration dealt with Puerto Rico, they're not going. All the all the players who have Caucasian and, ancestry are going to be at the White House. When you saw Kim Mulkey uh, at Baylor say, oh, I'm real happy to go and we're all going to go, did, did that bother you at all? Of course it bothered me. Would you send your kid to Baylor if that were the case, if she made all the kids go? First, first of all, my daughter would never go to Baylor just because of the fact you should have never put my daughter in that kind of position. Don Staley is a dear friend of mine. She turned down a White House invitation. to say South Carolina was- coach after they won the national yeah. championship. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Because she understands that sports is more than when you're a coach. We try to develop character and we try to make sure that the that basketball is a, a, a parallel to life. We want to just mm. create good citizens and good people. And we use basketball as that methodology. You work hard, you get rewarded. And that it's a it's an indicative of life. And at the end of the day, you may be a basketball player, but you got to be a good citizen and an ambassador first mm. before anything before you bounce the basketball. Do you have any regrets about jumping into you know like whatever saying stuff you know sticking up for Javale or you know or not letting him stick up for himself? Do you have any regrets that you you know you were too much of a helicopter? Uh, you got my uh, uh, the shacking a fool. Never. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That was one of my best columns at ESPN. Uh, yeah, we know we that was a that was one of them columns that we talked about that split America. It really showed yeah. the dynamics of America and yeah. where we have come as a society. I'm just somewhat, and it really bothers me, Mike. And I can't speak for you, but and I don't know if it's just me, but since Donald Trump has been in office, it seems like everybody is okay with people bullying people. 
just yeah. disrespecting people. People treat people awful. You know, we see bullying in schools, and people are just not civil anymore. Yes. Um, you I, know, I'm yeah. going into public school systems, and people just just don't respect people. I yeah, mean, it's I, just uh, like to to uh, to let people. Yeah, to back up one second, uh, and we obviously know the story. To tell our our listeners. Um, in, um, oh shoot, it must've been, uh, two years ago now, um, almost about around the all-star game, um, Shaquille O'Neal's, uh, TNT, uh, feature, uh, was called Shacked and a Fool. Um, he clearly took some shots at JaVale, uh, JaVale thought it went, uh, JaVale thought it went above and beyond usual. And uh, And they had a Twitter beef. And they had a Twitter beef. And at some point, Shaq was like, "I'm, you know, it almost made physical threats." He thought he said he was playing, but anyway, I called both you and and I'm going to talk. I think I'm going to talk to Lucille, Lucille O'Neal know, today. Mike, that 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 story went viral, and people don't know you were the only journalist that wrote the story. A lot of people didn't know that you were the one that wrote the story. Yeah, and so I did. I did that because one, I knew both of you. I knew both you and uh, Lucille O'Neal, and two, I you know, like as as person that knows but you know i wanted to do the kumbaya thing and like let's work this out and you were clearly like yeah we can work this out but he cyber bullied my son and it was inappropriate and you know shaquille needs to lose his job the the nba needs to make a stand and i I don't know if shaq ever apologized but he clearly knocked it off and he and he um do you uh did you guys did you ever speak to lucille or shaquille about this or no no, but Shaquille said on TV that when I said he's an agent of TNT and an agent of the NBA, the people upstairs said, okay, Shaquille, we know what that means. And you see he's not on – I told JaVale, great white sharks, mission accomplished. You don't see just JaVale McGee on Shaq and a Fool anymore. You've been supportive from the beginning. You grew up with him. Um, will, will he – what will you do? Will he call you up on Mother's Day? How will you, how will you work that out? Is he? Well, is, I'm, is, as a matter of fact, no, this this Mother's Day, I'm going to spend it with my daughter and Monty. And right. yeah, he'll call me or he'll send something to the house. They always call me on Mother's Day. They are. They're wonderful. But so this this Mother's Day, Amani is pulling the mother. You come and stay yeah. with me. I'll stay with her for a week. I have beautiful children. And they never forget Mother's Day. They are, they are big on Mother's Day. Mother's Days and birthdays. They never forget my birthday. And they never, JaVale. You know, JaVale threw me a surprise birthday party. It's on YouTube. JaVale pranks his mom. Best when? How long Oh, ago? this year. This is this great. Year, best, oh, my God. It was the best birthday party in my life. Uh, it was, that's... If you, it's, it's on YouTube. JaVale pranks his mom. It was, was on my birthday. He was, he was off, and the University of Nevada was playing USC, and we went to the game. And he threw, uh, and he flew in. He flew in all of my players from that championship team, and they were at my surprise birthday party. Oh, man. That's so No, I mean, not only that, though, he made up some kind of, like, uh, travelgoddess.com. You won this free trip to L.A. Uh, to stay at the Ritz uh, first-class flight. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, and I you bit. Be- and you believed it? Oh, my God. I bit. It's all over. It was all over my Twitter, my Instagram. That's oh great. my God! And then at the end of the party, he says, uh, "TravelGoddess.com is made up." They had T-shirts, everything. Oh, that's I was beautiful. Like, oh, that's... Like, dude, this is the this is the best.
birthday party. And then I'm going to tell you, I thought the, the birthday I thought the birthday gift was me and him at the USC game. We sitting in the front row. He's in his Nevada jersey. I'm in my USC jersey, and my banner is hanging up in the raster. Mm. They retired my jersey in the raster. I was like, oh, dude, it, it don't get no better than this. Mm. And we they got us on the jumble trial, and he's talking smack. I'm talking smack. I was like, dude. This, it never gets any better than this. This is the best birthday ever that me and him just because, you know, me and him both talk smack. But his college team was playing my college team. I'm sitting in the arena where I started my career, and my banner is behind me. You couldn't tell me. It was like the best birthday ever. And then you, you're, you're a grandmother now too, right? Yes, I have a two-year-old granddaughter. Her name is Gigi, little Gigi Genevieve Gray. Beautiful. Hmm. He looks is, just like him. They could be twins. Is Javel uh, is Javel still seeing the mother? Yeah, they. Uh, you know how this. You know these millennials. They're not together together, but they call it co-parenting. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Which is good. I mean, if they're not gonna, you know, date, be intimate. No, no, and, no. And, 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 and he's and, and one thing that I explained to him, I said you could be a great basketball player, which was one of his his uh, reasons to go to the Lakers as well. I said, now, you're a great basketball player, but you have a daughter now, and your first responsibility in ministry is to raise this daughter. And she lived in L.A. So yeah. he sees his daughter. And they did an article in, a, in I think, a, a GQ that said that, you know, JaVale McGee is one of the best fathers in the world. I was really proud of that. That's yeah. down there. I, I printed that in my basement because he is. He's an excellent father. This has been great. You, 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 uh, you spilled everything you can. Um, I'm, I, I, and I'm, and I'm very, I, I don't know. I'm very honored to be your vanilla brother from another mother. You're, uh, you're my, you're my beautiful mother from another mother. And I wish I really, no, I mean this. And I'm, I wish you happy mother's day and for all you did for your, both your children. Um, but especially JaVale, cause I've gotten to know him. Um, and you know, look, what can I say? Um, you, you, you did God's work raising a child and it's probably the greatest thing you did, even greater than the WNBA and USC. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being part of us, Pamela. Yeah, and uh, thanks for having me. And remember, I use that my vanilla brother from another mother. That's like some dear endearment. That's some love. I'm showing you love when I call you. Oh, man. So like, so like, so do I get invited to the cookout? Yeah, you're like, that's some love, man. That is like some serious love, man. I don't <laughs> give everybody that. <laughs> The Mike Wise Show is one of four weekly shows from Pure Hoops Media. My show drops every Monday and features incredible guests like Jamal Crawford, Jeannie Plus, PJ Carlissimo, and NBA moms like Lucille O'Neal and Pamela McGee. Our midweek show catch and shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov comes your way each Wednesday. Their guests have included George Carl, Steve Javi, and Mike Breen of ABC and ESPN. Each Thursday, it's Bucket Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt. And each Friday, we present the Pure Hoops podcast with three-time champion player agent B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman, a Boston lover and a real depressed guy this week. B.J.'s takes usually go against conventional wisdom, but if you go back and listen to him, he's mostly right. Please listen to all the Pure Hoops media shows. Subscribe, rate, review, download, and enjoy. And don't worry about this tractor pull announcer voice. I'll be back to my regular self in a second. Welcome to the Mike Wise Show, a special Mother's Day edition this week. Uh, brought a couple mothers on, and I I don't lie when I say one of my favorites of all time is Lucille O'Neal, the mother of Shaquille, and uh, someone I've known for 
going on about 20, 25 years now. How are you, Lucille? I am doing wonderful, Mike. Thank you for uh, allowing me to call in just to hear your voice. It's a good day. Appreciate yeah, every it. time you always make me feel uh, great when I see you. You, uh, the, I love your, I love your line on your answering machine, which is essentially, um, it's the Lord's day. Don't mess it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> you so, will believe I found that in a Hallmark store one day, and it doesn't have an author on it. I said, well, I'll take this and I'll become the author and share this with everybody. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I, I've asked everybody that I've had on the podcast that has children that either became players or did, did other things um, with their life. Did they push their kids to be a player? Did they push their kids? Did they, were they that helicopter parent? And, and how did it work for you? What, was, what, what, worked for, what worked for Shaquille's mother? Well, Mike, first let me say that um, Shaquille is the eldest of four. I have right. three other children. And how we got involved in basketball and sports, period, was we uh, were part of Army, military. So we were away from home a lot. And all we had was family. But they always had a program every place that we lived called the Youth Activities Program. So we got involved in the sports programs with our children. And Shaquille has been playing basketball since he was six years old. And then, of course, Latifah played, Aisha played, and Jamal played. But every time the seasons changed, the sport would change in our home. So that's how we got involved. But Shaquille came to love basketball more than anything because when he played football and they would tackle him in his knees, you know, that was very <laughs> uncomfortable. But that's the only way they could catch him. So <laughs> after having gone through a few injuries, he said, well, let me just try basketball. And he really, really loved basketball. And Phil coached him. And. I stayed on the sideline with the girls. They did cheerleading, and he coached them all. So we're just a sports-oriented family. You you were part of the boys and boy, boys and girls clubs of Newark when you were little, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we're part of the alumni class now, Shaquille and I. And I don't great. know if there's another mother and son duo, but we're still active today, and we love what the boys and girls club represents, and just being. It's an honor for us to be a part of the alumni class. We go way back. And when I was gone, it was not the Boys and Girls Club. It was only the Boys Club. But oh, my so. grandmother used to say, go with your brother. And so that's <laughs> how I used to get into the Boys Club. But it was, it was just, uh, we had a good time. It kept us off the street. We yeah. met a lot of people. And then it, they reinforced positive messages in all of us. Because at the time, I didn't know, you know, how blessed I was and how different and unique I was. But uh, there was a young lady that told me, she said, you're going to be special. You are special right now. And I never forgot that. Do you remember her name? No, of course not. It's been more than yeah. 50 years ago. No. But that's a, that's such a neat, uh, it's I almost like they're, it's almost, I've had people like that in my life where I, I don't remember the name. I just remember the moment. And it's almost like they weren't even, they don't even have it. There was like, they're a guardian angel more than anything. Mm -hmm. And you almost mm -hmm. think like, you, you almost want to say, well, I, they might not even been human. They might've just been there for me in my life at that moment. <laughs> but, but you um, know what? I wish I knew their name or something, but I, I just want to say thank you because what that taught me was that you should always say something positive to somebody. You don't know if you're helping them or not, but that's the plan to say something that's, that's going to help somebody. And that's why I'm happy today. I have the opportunity. I am a motivational speaker. And I've never forgotten the, the, the 
positive messages that were giving to me. I released all the negative. And when I talk to other people, I want to be able to say something positive that's going to help them. That's what I do. And I'm happy about the experience that I had way back then because it has helped me today. Yeah, uh, Lucille, go ahead. With my own children. Yeah, Lucille O'Neill is my guest, the mother of Shaquille O'Neal and many other children, who uh, three other children whom she raised. Um, at, at one time, you were a single mother, and it was very young in Newark. I still remember the story, and, and I know people have fun with this now because Shaquille was so big, but it was hard for you because not only did he eat a lot, he, people wouldn't believe when you get on the train and how old he was, and you'd almost have to show his birth certificate for the, for the train conductor to show him that you don't know as much money as he thinks you do. That was something. I'll tell you, and I'll never forget those days commuting from South Jersey up into Newark trying to go to work. And, um, you know, those times were rough. They were hard. I was on welfare for a while. But that's okay. That was part of my life. That was the journey. And what I learned, I learned responsibility because it was just Shaquille and I. And I tell people we grew up together because I was very young and I wasn't married when I met Phil. And I'm telling you, me and Shaquille, we've been through some stuff. <laughs> I laugh at it now because my then is not my now, but Shaquille and I, we've been through some stuff. But we got through it by the grace of God. I'm telling you, we good right now. Yeah, I, uh, the one of the things I remember was um, uh, uh, I remember there was a story where you were down in the ironbound section of Newark and you got a flat tire by a railroad track. Do you remember this? That was and a it, scary it was, time. Oh, yeah. And if you yeah, know it's the almost, area. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, at night. Yeah, it's dark and it's almost pitch dark and you didn't know how to change a flat tire and you don't know how you were going to get to Jersey City and you got a car full of kids and you're a young mother and the only thing you could do is just get out of that car sit on the curb and cry and i just remember the story like what what happened next shaquille basically got out and came up to you well shaquille was up being the eldest you know he was in the car and then i had my my oldest daughter latifah yeah and he's about well, seven he, or eight at the he, time yeah and he kind of comfort well not kind of he did comfort me he told me mommy it's gonna be all right and I just remember a man coming through there, and he helped change the tire. We didn't even have a lot of conversation, but he saw the need, and he went right to work. He changed the tire. I was able to get back in the car. Tears had stopped by then. I told him thank you, and then he was gone, and I was on my way. But we talk about help that comes from unexpected places. Mm -hmm. I was so happy because I was scared, and she killed he like, Ma, it's gonna be all right. He didn't know how to change no tire, but but he helped. He helped the guy fix. He helped the guy fix the tire. Yeah, and he had sense enough to kind of calm me down because I didn't know uh, what I was going to do. I'm like, ooh, I was scared. That's yeah. Well, um, he's that kind of son. He's still that way. You know, yeah. supporting and encouraging, and I thank God for my all my children. I got good good. They're not children anymore, but I've been blessed with a good four, and I am so happy being a mother today. When you um, uh, when you married uh, Sergeant Phil Harrison and you sort of embarked upon the military life, there was a part I remember talking to Shaquille about this, where he was he was a little bit of a thug when he was younger. 
where you where you thought I don't know he must have been in his early teens, but where you were worried about him for a while. What what changed and how did you deal with him then? Uh, were you stricter? Were you just upset? Would you have conversations with him? How would you deal with him? You know, Phil was a disciplinarian, so he had a lot of great conversation with Shaquille, and we I watched him grow into the man child. I'm I'm a little bit more easygoing, but. I say I was the buffer in the family, but I talked to Shaquille about doing things that were illegal and typical boy, curious and mischievous, how, you know, you have to deal with the consequences of the things that you do. But Phil taught him in his growing up to become a leader because here you are standing taller than your peers and you have to get, they're looking up at you already. So, why not give them something good to look up to you for? So during that time, you know, his attitude changed and he began to see that there was a benefit in doing right. It mm. took a while. It's almost, it's almost we, we talk about the periods that our children go through and the pressure that they receive. Yes, that's real. Peer pressure is real. Mm. But Shaquille got through it because we did everything we could to help him get through it. And the benefits are better, so much better than that negative that you receive from the things that you do. So he bought into it, but it, it took listening. Lucille O'Neill, go ahead, I'm cutting you off there, sorry. I was going to say, you don't know what they do when they're away from home. You, you don't always have your eye on them, but you just continue to just instill those positive messages to them and hope that they get it at some point. I think that it, the soft side he definitely got from you, um, and he's and I'm sure that much of he he continually thanks you. Um, by the way, Lucille O'Neill is not just uh, Shaq's mother; she's an author and philanthropist too. I've read I've read her books. I've also I, and I want to say and correct me if I'm wrong. You founded the Mothers of Professional Basketball Players. Well, I was one of the founders. There were 23 of us. That's right. And I, mm -hmm. Our first president was Charlotte Brandon, and she was the mother of Terrell Bre Brandon. Yeah, Terrell. Mm-hmm. And, and then we and, had Mark Jackson's mother. There was a number of us, um, 23. And the thought was to – and the thought was basically to – uh, have a, a support group among NBA mothers, but also supporting your sons through that. What was the what was the the guiding principle of the organization? Well, at first we came together as a support for one another, but having grown up in the we call it the journey because our lives changed overnight. We began a new journey, but in that process, we realized that we were wanting to support the communities where our sons and our daughters, because we have mothers from the WNBA, where they live, work, and play. So our mission changed a little bit, and we all became catalysts for change in our communities. We would have a conference, and while we had the conference in a certain city, we would make it a fundraiser and give donations, charitable donations. And I can remember when I was the president, we established a, a fundraising event. We played football against the football players mom <laughs> and then we played they played basketball you know with us and we raised so much money for florida hospital we gave money to the boys and girls club we gave money to different charities depending on the city that we were in 
Orlando benefited from some of the conferences that we had. It's, it's good time. Yeah, no, I, I remember. And, and guys always, the, the message was always positive. I think if people see um, MBA mothers at courtside, they see this side of their, um, they see the side of their, <laughs> their, their sons that is very protective and is very excited. And, uh, and, and bottom line is that's, that's just a part of your life. I mean, that, uh, it that, is. you know, and I think that people, I think that people, it's easy to stereotype. I mean, you had the same values that you did before Shaquille became very wealthy and your life changed. And that's another reason also that the, the mother's organization, I tried very hard so that the world would be aware of what we were doing besides sitting on the sideline. I wanted yeah. to really get that out of everybody's mind, thinking that that's all that we did. We have lives. We're educators and we are educated. My son was so beneficial and helping me obtain my education and I'm so happy about that today. I am Dr. Lucille O'Neill. That's he right. You went back Dr. to school. Lucille O'Neill. Yeah. That's, that's right. You went back to school and got a degree, I believe, in 2003 and then 2005 again. And I got a doctorate after that since I spoke to you. I'm a wow. doctor now. Okay. So it's Dr. Lucille O'Neill. I apologize to my listeners. This was that's completely. Okay. completely... <laughs> that's all right. Wait, what are you a doctor of? Humanities. Oh, I, that, see, that's perfect. Doctor of Humane thought, Letters. That's, that's what my doctorate says. It, that's perfect. Um, uh, that's perfect. I love that. You, um, the, one of the nice uh, things I think you taught Shaquille was um, he, he's a very forgiving person. I mean, there's a lot of times whose people have gotten under his skin. He was he's very sensitive, like all probably tall people are. And mm -hmm. he's and I could still see it sometimes when when Charles needles him and it goes too far. You could see Shaquille like almost fuming, like I'm going to slap this guy right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> do, you, do you ever see that? I do. I see it. And I remind him, you know, just play nice. I tease them both because Charles' oh. mother and I were very good friends. And um, yeah, we send them notes. OK, you be good. You know, just teasing them. But that's the human side of him. And sometimes people say hurtful things and it, they don't mean to be hurtful, but the way that it comes out, it, it hurts his feelings sometimes. So I don't blame him about saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to do something to you. You better be careful. I mean, just let people know because he's not um one that will take all of that. I call it punishment, but we have to be careful with our words. And he tries yeah. to be kind to everybody, but I'm telling you, a lot of people don't want to see that side of him. You know, when it gets to be too much, because he'll lay it on you now. He know not a <laughs> Look, he's kind, yes, but he will give it what. And we used to say, "All right, go ahead and give them what they want." <laughs> right. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna feel the pain now. Uh huh. Let me give you what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, but, but I was I was saying you taught him forgiveness because, and he talked about this um, when I did a story on him a couple years ago. Uh, before he went into the Hall of Fame, he, uh, he's, he told me, and I was surprised, but because at one point he didn't want to have any contact with his biological father, Joseph Tony, And he said, you know, I had to, I had to lay that down. And I, I just wanted to meet him and say that, you know, I'm not angry at you. I don't hate you. Um, 
Did, were you happy when they reconciled in some way, even though that Joe was not a part of his life because of his own demons? I was happy about that because and it was real. You know, that's the reality of our lives. And yeah. for all of us to dismiss it, it would be like a burden we carried around for the rest of our lives. I didn't want that. And it's not like he didn't know, you know, just the relationship wasn't there. We, we, our lives took a different turn after we left New Jersey and after we left Joe. But for me, I didn't want to push that on him. It happened when he got ready. Yeah. And I'm so happy that it worked out their way. It's peaceful, you know, and it's yeah. no reminding you, well, back then, it's too late to be reminded of all of that. Everybody has grown up now. We're living in a different time, and I just believe in being honest with people, even the family, with your feelings. Okay, this is how I feel. Okay, on to the next thing. And so that had to be done. They had to have conversation because while we're telling him things, you know, all through the years, it's still meant for that conversation to happen. Life means for that to happen. Mm. Like I was telling you at the beginning of the program, when you want to know the truth, you got to go to the person. Go to the source. source. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just a great story where he was, he'd always eaten at Vonda's Kitchen, his favorite soul Uh food place in Newark. And he finds out his dad lives in the same building. And then all of a sudden he goes back and meets him there. And it's this, you know, his dad just opens his arms. Keel gives him a hug, says, I don't hate you. I don't judge. I don't have the right to judge and, you know, being a father, mm-hmm. I know it's, and is this true? Like this, but he recounted the whole scene to me. Is it true that at one point he gets you, um, he, he basically gets you on the, um, on the phone, on the phone. via mm-hmm. FaceTime. And you know, th- this is the first time in whatever, 40 years since you've seen your high school boyfriend and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and Joe Tony looks into the lens on the phone and goes, what up, baby girl? Yeah. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, it's true. I love uh, that. What do you What do you say to that? <laughs> you just laugh and uh, you know what? I just I just start laughing because I haven't hadn't spoken to him in yeah. so many years. But for him to, you know, even say it like that, we had a great relationship. And I tell people the world took him from me. Yeah. You know, he's a kind man. He's a good man. But when you get caught up in those drugs, your life just gets messed up. And some people handled a lot better than others, but he was the one, he couldn't handle it. The world took him just like that. Mm. And so I I wasn't going that way. I'm glad I didn't either. I could have been all messed up like that too, but see, God, I always have a plan. Mm. And I believe even when they met and they talked, that it was time for them to talk, that God planned it that way. Everybody understood. Yeah, I think it hurt. No regrets. I think it was, it, it, if not helped, it um, it was it was easier because um, uh, Phil Harrison had passed by then, and you know I think that there was always a sense that um, you know if, if for Shaquille from Shaquille's perspective anyway that he felt almost like if I if I if I try to open that door now there's going to be a betrayal felt, and I don't want I don't want Phil to feel that. And, um, yeah, because Phil Phil was uh, was such a good dad. And mm-hmm. Phil, I remember, I don't know if you remember, Mike, when Shaquille wrote the song, um, Biological, Biological Didn't Bother. Yeah, Biological Didn't Bother. I remember that. He said, Phil is my father. And he had the greatest respect for Phil. So, you know, it happened when it happened. And yeah. it happened how it was supposed to happen, I believe. 
Yeah. And the lessons that Phil taught him, you know, he's he got sons now. Yeah. He got sons now. His sons, they have a great relationship, and I'm enjoying all of this. I'm enjoying. You like being a grandmother? Being parents. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm I'm about to be a great grandmother, but I love it. And Mother's Day is coming up. I believe yeah. that we we mothering. We celebrate mother Mother's Day every day. I love being a mother. <laughs> That's I think great. It's a well, special assignment for women. Will she? Will she? Uh, will Shaquille come down and and see you? Uh, I know he. I know he spends a lot of time in Atlanta now with all his TNT duties, and he's got a house there. Will Will he? Will he come down and see you for Mother's Day? If you, what What is he going to do? Not unless he surprises me, because he was here last weekend, and we celebrated as a family. Oh, good. My two daughters and my sons. We all went to his house, and you know we had family time. So I know he's working hard, and I may not see him. This weekend, but I saw him last weekend. He tells me he loves me. Happy Mother's Day, like I said, is every day for me. Anytime um, I can talk to my children, especially him, you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm a happy girl. Yeah. Well, and you, I appreciate all of them. If you had to give advice to any young mother, it doesn't have to be a, a mother of a M- future NBA player, but w- w- if you had to give a few a few sentences of advice to somebody that was just coming out and deciding what's the best way to raise my child? Um, and I know some, some mothers will be single. Some mothers will um, have a male figure in their life for the son. What would, what would Lucille O'Neill say? I would say always make it an important part of your lives to keep the communication lines open. Because we're so busy parenting, a lot of times we don't take time to listen. But I learned, it's been my experience being a mother all these years, that we have to learn how to listen. And when you do that, the respect that your children give you is so wonderful because even listening to them, you're giving them respect. And in turn, they give you that respect. It makes for a wonderful relationship. Hmm. That's beautiful. So that that's the advice I would give, and that's what I learned. That's not yeah. what anybody told me, and I know you heard it said. You know a lot of times, but communication is very important. You listen to your child. That's good. I, I'm I'm an old dad, and I could listen to my eight, four-year-old just the same, and and not just uh, boss him around <laughs> all the time. But you learn is, something, Mike, don't you? Don't you learn something every time you talk to them? Completely. And my grandchildren, they come now. Grandma, you know what? I learn <laughs> something every time we have conversation. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, the, the other day, I, my four-year-old surprised me. He goes, Dad, my taste buds are getting better. I'm like, taste buds? You know about taste buds? He goes, yeah, I, I, now I'm four. I, I like apples now. I'm like, oh, I, had no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> and like I didn't know you know what taste buds were, but at, at any rate, yeah, I know they they completely surprise you the things they hear and the things they do. It's a, it's an amazing, amazing and thing. Even, Mike, when you and I were talking the other day, yeah, was that your son or your daughter, we talked about yeah, yeah, my eight year old, I'm not yeah. the little one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's in the back. He's in the back. Uh, he's in the back. I'm taking him to baseball practice. Going, um, Lucille, would you come on my podcast? And uh, you know, and, I, and I'm taking my I'm taking my little one to baseball practice right now. And he goes, I'm not the little one. <laughs> he wants to he wants to make that clear. Yeah, uh, and what did you and I do? We we listened and we understood. We said, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You're not the little one. You're just yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> 
Uh, so I, one of the times I really enjoyed with you was just a couple of years ago when Shaquille and JaVale McGee were having this Twitter beef and it got nasty. And I finally called you up and said, you know what? I'm going to call you up. I'm going to call Pamela McGee up. I'm going to say, let's, let, let's knock off this sandbox fight. All right. And basically, of course, Shaquille O'Neal, even in his advanced age and being a Hall of Fame player and, a, you know, a, a father of many and all these things basically says, um, I heard it from above. My mom told me to knock it off. So I'm going to knock it off. And uh, I love that story. It was so silly after a while. Well, it was silly from the beginning for me. And then social media, social oh. media takes a lot of things and they twist it, run with it, turn it all upside down. And I just like, okay, got to be a cutoff point. And this is it. I don't want to hear any more about it. And I think you should just let it go. You know, tit for tat and both of them being men, strong-willed men, who's going to get the last word? Okay, I'm going to have the last word. Stop it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how but it's... Even, <laughs> Excuse me, Mike, I didn't mean to cut you off, but even right now, I think Aisha Curry made a comment. They're talking about that all, all on local radio, about a comment she made. Okay, leave it alone. Yeah. My yeah, it's got to go. I, I talked to Pamela McGee earlier, and, um, and yeah, she was wounded by it and the whole thing. And it's one of those things like, uh, yeah, let it go. Let it go and move on, and and your life will be much happier. Was it? It was a Nelson Mandela's great quote. Um, it, Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for someone else to get sick. The only person who gets mm-hmm. sick is you. <laughs> yeah, so, but I think then, I think words are so powerful. Like I said, we have to be careful how we use them. We start yes. out with the best intention, but they can get all screwed up along the way. So. Yeah. Well, you've helped so many and uh, and you've and you've done so much. And the best thing you've done, of course, is is raised four. I, I met I bet you would agree it was raised four children. And 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 one of them happens to be not just a person that I went into business with to write a book, but I would consider a genuine friend of mine. I mean, it's kind of hard to have any equity in a friendship when your your friend is Shaquille O'Neal, because he never remembers your birthday. You remember his. Nonetheless, <laughs> m- me and the daddy are, you know, I really, I've, he's been nothing but good to me. And and it's great to see you guys have such a great relationship later in life because money does split up families. Money changes things. And even when I came over to your house that time, did the book, um, I just remember the joy. I think you had an old tape of, I mean, Shaquille got out an old tape of the McDonald's High School All-American game and Dick Vitale yelling his name. And here you and Phil are in the living room just going nuts, going, listen to him, listen to him. And it was just mm-hmm. a, a genuine joy. And uh, and by the way, I had fried chicken at John Wall's um, mother's house, Francis, a few years ago. Yours mm-hmm. and hers are the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. I oh, just have to tell you, you're a heck of a cook. <laughs> you're a heck of a cook. And you had and some great side dishes, too. You are a heck of a cook beyond the fact that you're a heck of a mom. Oh, thank you, Mike. <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> well, yeah. I hope to see you again soon. It's been a while now. It's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen you in person in a while. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the family down to Disneyland. Now, even though I'm I'm working for you, local CBS television and Pure Hopes Media now, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to finagle free Disney World tickets and I'm going to come take the family down and I'm going to a lunch is going to be when I take you out. You don't pay a dime and I get and you get to meet my wife and my kids. 
I would really like that. I would really love it, matter of fact. Yeah. I really would. And can you send them to you college, let too? Me know. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to send them to college. Well, <laughs> you know, we did such thing as scholarship donations. <laughs> uh, uh, that, thank so you. Just so put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put it out there. I mean, anything could happen. And I just believe that um, all of us still live by the golden rule. Mm. You treat people the way you want to be treated. And sometimes so many people have helped us along the way. I think about that a lot. So I'm happy to be able to help somebody. So if you get into the place where you need some scholarship dollars, who knows? All you got to do is just ask. <laughs> That's uh, how we got there. Amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> amen. Thank, thank you for being part of us. Um, and, and really, happy Mother's Day. Have a great one. And yeah, I will. I look forward to talk, talking to you sooner than later. Lucille. Okay, Mike. Thank you. Tell your wife happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to all of your listeners as well. Thanks so much. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. The Mother's Day edition is in the books. Thank you, Lucille O'Neill and Pamela McGee. Thanks, Bruce Bernstein, for helping us put this together as you do every week. Pure Hoops Media, couldn't do this without you. Listeners, the same. And also, I mean this sincerely. If you haven't caught Catch and Shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov or Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt, which drops every Thursday, and then Friday, Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman, I, I just can't tell you what you're missing. All right? So subscribe, enjoy, listen, and I'll talk to you next week. Mike Wise signing off. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.